Well, good morning. Well, with uh, Mike and Donna gone and with uh, Courtney and Ingrid gone, and let's see, might be a few. I'm glad to see you guys made it. It's wonderful. We were thinking it might be kind of uh, sparse, but we're, it's good. It's real good. Well, in case you, I won't hold you in suspense. Wayne, uh, you know, Rock of Ages, I haven't sung that in years, but, uh, and I actually, I remember maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I first understood about the fact that we, our identification with Christ, uh, that song was pointed out to me. And so I pointed it out a couple of weeks ago. And so the, the thing that Wayne was referring to in the first stanza, it says, Let the water and the blood from thy, from thy side which flowed be of sin. And here's the key. The double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. And the idea here is that you, first you're saved from the penalty of sin, that's the wrath, and you made me pure, you're saved from the power of sin. And we're starting in Romans chapter 6, we're all about talking about the power of sin, the power of sin in the believer's life. And that's what, and that's not a, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process, your entire Christian life. You never, you'll never cease from um, here on this on this earth, never ceased from that um, pursuit of uh, uh, as the Lord directs you with over the power of sin. Okay, so let's talk about that a bit today. So I labeled this the believer's reckoning, and I want to go back and uh, you know kind of connect it up. And the best way to connect it up is is looking at back at least uh, at least to verse nine. Actually, we back to verse eight, which is good. But in verse 9, it talks about knowing something. Knowing two things, right? That Christ is never to die again. That's number one. And that death no longer has mastery over him. And then that kind of leads into this flow, which we start in 10. So based upon that, that death no longer has mastery over Christ. For the death he died. He died uh, for the death he died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And then we have another connective. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So it all kind of flows together there. And that's why I wanted to do that. So let, we're going to go back and look a little bit at um, <clears throat> chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 10. And uh, we did it last week, but I'm going to make a little bit more in detail this time. Okay. We start off with a connective back in verse 9c, knowing the death no longer has mastery over him. And this is, and these pictures I put up, maybe you're kind of wondering, well, how did I, you know, I just was up late one night and <laughs> got bored and said, so I'll draw some bubbles and write scripture verses inside of them. Well, at, where they come from, or the, the genesis of that is actually, if you're able to look at the, the, and this is our brother Hal Malloy's great dream. Hal came to me. I work with him at my work. He came to me one day and said, Roger, you know, I can diagram God's word in the original language. He was just so, he was so pumped, as we'd say, that he was so excited that he could do that. I can diagram that. And you saw that. People that have been here at Holly, they saw Hal was excited about that. So he'd get his, he get his diagrams up. He'd put them up. He'd say, is that too complicated for you guys? And he'd look at you, everybody and they'd say, oh, I don't know how this is going to... So, so this is a, one step up from that. I tried to take the idea of that. And this, this first one is not really diagrammed, but the next one will be. So some of the genesis of, for these bubble charts is that 
is a one step up from the diagram to make it a little more understandable. So, okay, that's my little explanation about that. Okay, so, okay, here we go. <clears throat> uh, so we're going to know this, knowing <clears throat> that death no longer has mastery over him. So here's a connective. For death, that he died, he died to, and it's the, uh, the definite articles there, the sin, the sin nature, once for all, but in contrast... The life he lives, he lives to God. And so we see that we have death and life. And, and that's presented in so many ways in Scripture. And, and it, it, death begets life in so many different ways. And this is talking about a death that, is, that we, we need to understand and believe that's happened to us in terms of our sin nature. It happened and Christ accomplished that for us. And that's what this verse is talking about. So a couple things you can say. Christ died to sin, the sin nature for all believers. We see that in the, in the verse. Christ lives his life to God. And actually, I have the Father in there. But in a sense, Christ lives, him, lives to, the, to all of God. You know, All of God is one essence. Three persons, one essence. But he lives his life to God. And he say, well, it's like himself, right? You know what? It's, he, lives him, he lives his life to the... Totality of God. If you will. remember, we would say he would say uh, in several places he say, "I don't speak in my own initiative." He said, "I can't." In fact, I, I can't. He says he was so strong. I can't say anything that I don't see that the Father is saying the same thing. I I don't say one word, not one thing. I say is not in total harmony with what God is doing. So he's saying God is one. His His essence is one, and I'm speaking for that oneness. That's how I'm kind of taking that. Okay, so let's kind of go a little bit deeper here. So there are four facts that were presented in in this verse. And the four kind of connects it up. As I mentioned from verse 9, the last part of 9, it connects it up. Death no longer has mastery over him. So it's four in the sense of, uh, so forth in the sense of, so so he died. So if we look at the, if we look at the, uh, the verb tense here, we'll see that it's, it's, fa- it's a fact. Christ died. And it's eris, it's eris tense, it, it speaks of an event. You know, that was an event. Christ died. He died on the cross. An event. It's a fact. It's reality. And Christ did it. He, remember he said, I don't, you know, no one takes my life. I give my life up. He gave, no one took his life. He gave his spirit up. So Christ, was actively involved in his own death. Okay, so that's fact one. And number two, he died to the sin nature once for all. So, and it's the same verb tense. Um, the event tense, reality, and he did it. Christ's death had the following effects on the sin nature. This is a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but we get to chapter eight, we're going to see he condemned the sin nature in the flesh. And then if we look back to 6.6, we'll see that uh, he cut us loose from the sin nature. He took, you could say he took it offline. He broke our union and servitude, servitude to, it, to it. So you're going to see we're going to talk a lot about this disconnection from our sin nature expressed in many different word pictures and we, today. Uh, he did it once for all believers. So that talks about the death part. So now we come to the life part. The life that he lives. So Christ is living. And it's present tense. He's continually living. 
And he's eternal. He will continue to live forever. And it's a fact and reality. And we, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning a little bit. Uh, he is life. He defines life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is true life. He is reality. There's no other life outside of Jesus Christ. People think they have life. Well, I have a, I have a good life. And maybe you, know, maybe you do. I'm thankful you do have a good life. But Jesus Christ claims that he is life and that coming to know him, you will have life as well. Which is just a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous thing. Okay, number four. Uh, he, not, he not only is life, uh, he lives his life. So how does he live his life? We, I just mentioned this before. He lives his life, and it's the same tense again. It's present, indicative, active. Continually living his life. He's totally occupied. And this is this, is this idea of essence again. He's totally occupied with God, with his essence. He's totally occupied with his, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are totally occupied with one another. Um, uh, and that's his life. And he's totally occupied with glorifying God. And then from the previous verses we saw in our relationship to that, it says you are baptized or you're placed into, immersed into this living union with Christ uh, so that that which is true of, of Christ, of him, is also true of you. And we call that our position. That's who we are. That's who we are in Christ, right? And then, so now, we're on the precipice here with verse 11 of getting down to the nitty-gritty, as they say, or the, the, where the shoe leather meets the road. We're going to see, well, what does that, knowing those wonderful facts about ourselves, what does that tell us about how we conduct our lives or how we conduct our Christian walk? And we're going to see that in the first first part of that starts in verse 11. The first instruction or command that we have is in verse 11. So we're, 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 we're prepping ourselves, if you will, for that uh, wonderful verse. Okay, so I wanted to just kind of backtrack just for a second to make sure that we didn't, I'm sure we'd, you're probably not confused, but just in case, and that's about the double cure too, there's two aspects. So we receive Christ and we walk with Christ, right? So the, and there's one verse I've always just loved, It's just a very short little verse, and here it is, that kind of connects those two. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Pretty short, right? You think. So I always like to say, and I I say to myself, okay, how did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Okay, pretty pretty, pretty, uh, straightforward question. Well, by faith, right? By faith in who Christ is, His person. And his work on Calvary, his work on the cross. Now, how do you walk? How do I walk the Christian life? This is a special walk. Do I do special walk? Is, is that how I do it? <laughs> For you on Zoom, I guess I Zoom can see it too. I guess I forgot about that. Okay, so you can see that silly walk I just did. But the, how do you, you know? Walk is a is a synonym or a, the concept of your conduct. How do you conduct your life in Christ? Well, we're we're learning that in Romans six, and we're going to learn it in verse eleven. And it's basically this, by faith, counting upon, or the King James says, reckoning upon yourselves to be dead to the sin nature, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's how you walk. And you say, it almost sounds too simple. But the thing is, we're to do that, that's not a one-time event. We're to do that all the time, 24-7. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, we're, we're told to pray without ceasing, 
Well, this is another one that kind of along, along that line. This is something the Lord has told us. And he says, you know, it's more than just in your best interest. <laughs> this is what it's all about. As you conduct your Christian life, you're constantly remembering that you died to your sin nature. And so you say, why do I have to do that? Well, have you ever, we all have, we have encounters with our sin nature all the time. Now, some people deny they have a sin nature. They say, well, I'm, you know, some, and some denominations basically say that. They say, well, I, you know, it's gone. Poof, it's gone. But if you're honest with yourself, you have a sin nature and you're dealing with it all the time. And it's this battle, right? Galatians talks about that, the battle between the, you know, the spirit and the flesh. So this is what, this is God's instruction to us. By faith, counting upon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Okay, so now let's get into the nitty-gritty of the verse here. So now I'm going to go back to my um, overview chart, the bubble chart. And this is based on the, on the, um, on Hal's, uh, Hal would be proud of me. L- Lindy sometimes, I'm, she's not here today, she's here. Roger, Hal would be proud of you. <laughs> wow, you'd be proud of me? That's, that's kind of, that's kind of special. Um, but he just, you know, once he connected up, understanding how to diagram God's word, it opened up a whole new, uh, vista, if you will, on looking how to look at God's word, how to examine God's word, how to focus on God's word. So here's kind of a one step up from that. Even so, and that's the idea. In the same manner, back in, even so, what we saw in verse ten. So here's the first statement: "You is not you is in the Greek, but not brought forth in the English." You consider, and I put "reckon" in there just to. So you would consider and reckon the same word. Consider or reckon yourselves. And we have those two modifiers to that. Two, th- two additional statements about that. So that's the main statement. You consider or reckon yourselves in two ways. First of all, on the one hand. And this kind of came out of, and Roy mentioned it this morning a little bit in Sunday school. Um, Kenneth Wiest, his marvelous translation, he, he puts... The idea on the one hand and on the other hand, in between these two statements. I think it really helps, and I think, I'm not exactly sure how he did that, because the original Greek doesn't, at least in my, well I see the Greek text, doesn't show that, but I use his translation in, in this uh, diagram here. So you say, you consider yourselves, or reckon yourselves, on the one hand, to be dead to the sin, or the sin nature, then, but on the other hand, to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. A pretty simple, pretty simple, straightforward sentence. You got a main clause or main statement and two things that modify it. On the one hand and on the other hand. On one hand, you're dead to the sin nature, but on the other hand, you're alive to God in Christ Jesus. Just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful verse. And, and this is, this is the first time in this um, section in Romans uh, actually, the first time in the book of Romans that, that Paul has asked us to do something. He wants us to do these two things, to consider or reckon these two things. So, a couple things you can say. Looking back, back to verse 10, Christ died to the sin nature for all believers. We saw that back in verse 10. Believers are to reckon to be dead to the sin nature. Christ accomplished it, you believe it. Okay? Christ lives his life to God. Christ did it. Believers are to reckon to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
So isn't it wonderful? Our Savior accomplished it, and we're asked to believe it. That's, that's a simple pattern. That's, that's a pattern you could say for all of Scripture. God accomplishes it, and he asks us to believe it. No more, no less. Okay, so now we're going to kind of go in kind of word by word and see if we can, other things we can learn from this as well. But this is kind of the big overview picture. Okay, so now here we go. Even so, so this is the idea of referring to what preceded. You consider, is logizame, logizamai, is to consider or reckon or calculate. And King James uh, renders it reckon. And it's funny, I've listened to people talk about this verse so much, I sometimes will say the verse and put reckon in there when, it, when the New American Standard doesn't have it in there. I'll say, even so, reckon. I say, wait a minute, it doesn't say that. It says consider. So, you know, you kind of grow up with certain translations and reckon just kind of sticks in my head. So I'm going to use that quite a bit. And most of the people I reference are going to use it as well. Okay. So once again, verb tense is important. It's present, continuous action, uh, keep on doing it 24-7. So, so you can write this down in the front of your Bible. Keep on doing this. Keep on reckoning. <laughs> Imperative. This is God's will. He's not, he's not unsure of this. This is, his, this is his will. And he wants you to perform it. And so I got, this is Dr. Weiss here. You be constantly counting upon the fact. That's how he brings that across. You be constantly counting upon the fact. And the facts are what follow. To reckon something to a person means to count something as true of someone. Of someone. So we're counting what God did for us as true of ourselves. He said he separated us. If, he separate, if God separates you, you're separated, right? You say, I believe that. And, and you, you base your life and your actions upon that. And that's kind of critical to see. And here's a few little phrases or things you kind of pick up from Merriman and, and from uh, Malloy, both. Um, a couple of things you could say, you could put it up. Put it down is true. Rather than saying reckon, you could say put it down is true. Put it down is so. Put it down is fact. Now, the, the reason I'm kind of repeating this multiple times, we're going to repeat this probably another ten times at least before I finish, by various people, is to kind of get it in your head. This is... This disconnection from the sin nature is so important to understand. It's pretty simple to understand, but maybe hard to live out, if, I, if you'd say it. So different words hopefully help us to understand that. Um, so actually, and, and people have pointed out, and I think I haven't, I didn't do the full deep dive on this, but um, it could be, it's an accounting term, I believe, or uh, you know, maybe in the Greek um, manuscripts, People would reconcile things. So you can think of yourself as being a good reconciler. You like to reconcile your checkbook, if you like to do that. I never was able to do a very good job in that. I don't know why. I was thankful when computers came along. I'm old enough to have gone, you know, went through that, that time period when you did it by hand. And then you... My mom, this is kind of off the wall thing. My mom, back when I was at home, she would, um, she would reconcile her checkbook. And then she'd call the bank and tell them they made a mistake. Or she'd write them. Most times she was right. I, <laughs> but she was, you know, she was just kind of a little, she was, she was certain she was right. That you made a mistake in my checking account, you gotta, so she reconciled her checkbook. So I think the Lord would have us be good accountants, you know, about reckoning. Okay, let's go on. Consider yourselves. 
So is we're considering ourselves, every believer, and that's the object of the verb, and so it receives the action, it receives the reckoning, and, it, and the results of that reckoning. So it's, it's literally you reckon yourselves. You count you count as true yourselves. Since Christ has accomplished this on your behalf, you are to believe these truths about yourself. Okay. All right, so let's go on to the other part. Okay, so the first truth he asks us is to be dead to the sin nature on the one hand. So this is is, we're counting upon or reckoning upon this fact that you're dead to the sin nature. And the, the verb here is emi, the state in which something continuously exists. We're dead or separated from the sin nature. So we reckon that we are permanently separated from that nature. And this is, this is important. We're not reckoning that the sin nature is dead, right? You saw last week I showed you one of Hal's pictures here. And, and you, you know, the Bible teaches that we have, once you become a believer, you have two natures. You have Christ's life, his very nature, and you still have your old nature from Adam, your sin nature. And there's a battle going on between those those two. There's actually a battle going on more precisely between the Spirit of God and your sin nature. Okay. You're to reckon your relationship to the sin nature is dead, not the sin nature being dead. You're, and you're se- so that's your reckoning that is separated. And, you, and so you say, you reckon by believing that it's faith. Reckoning is faith. You believe it's dead by, by the facts. You're not wishing it to be dead. Merriman has this. You're not wishing it to be dead, but believing that it's so because God has said it. I think that's important too. You know, some people, well, I, boy, I wish I could be free of, of the things I do. You know, I'm, I, I do things I don't, I'm not proud of. You know, Christians say sometimes, I do things I'm not proud of. Um, and I wish, I wish I could be different. Well, God has given you the information to count upon to make it, to make that different. Okay, now the second part, the contrasting truth, but to be alive to God in Christ Jesus, on the other hand. Again, we have, and it's implied here, it's implied, it's not in the text, but it's implied to be alive to God, alive, to be alive, living. Living ones, Weist has it here, living ones with respect to God. Our life, our life is only in Christ Jesus. And the, the verse that you go to for that is this wonderful verse in Galatians, the last, the B part of that. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ is living out his life through us. And, he, and our part of that equation is, we're, that, that's an operation of faith. We're to have faith in what he's doing, trusting what he's doing, believing what he said about us. That's how we're to conduct our life. So we reckon that we are permanently alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there you have. That's basically, I've gone through verse 11. It's almost, well, it's too short. It actually is a pretty short verse. So now I want to share, I want to take a couple of routes here. I want to look at, actually, Kenneth Weiss, besides his New Testament translation, has some commentaries. And one of his better commentaries is on, it's actually part of a four-volume set, is on, is on Romans. And he has a few things to say. He's going to repeat some things. And some things 
uh, I don't exactly uh, agree with, but I'm going to present them and you think about them. Then I'm, gonna, then I'm actually I'm going to share uh, Dr. Chafer, Lewis Ferry Chafer, and he has some comments. And then the third thing I'm going to do is to talk about um, kind of an example. How do we put this reckoning in shoe leather? Is there anywhere in Scripture that shows us how do we put reckoning in shoe leather? That'll be the third thing. So let's talk about Dr. Wiest here first. Okay, so this is Wiest on the dual aspect of our reckoning. First, regarding the sin nature, here Paul is exhorting the saint, saints, plural, to live a life in accordance with God's word. They should take into account the fact that they are dead to the sin nature, to sin the nature. They have been, he uses the idea, disengaged. Here's another way to think of it, disengaged from the evil nature. It has no power over them anymore. They are, this is good, a term I hadn't heard in years. They are scot-free from it. He wrote in the 40s, maybe 30s, 40s. They're scot-free. I haven't heard that term. Actually, my looked up on their phone. It's, it, I've forgotten exactly. It doesn't come from Scotland. <laughs> I thought it come from Scotland. I thought maybe, it has a different origin. But they're scot-free from it. <clears throat> you can say point blank no to it. The thing I think, my, my slight disagreement with Dr. Weiss here is the fact that it's still there, and you still can give it power. You still can hang out with your sin nature, and that's he does. He's not real crisp on that, and that's my that's my only um, uh, comment on that. Okay, so now here's on the second part. Second, with regards to being alive to God, um, take into account or reckon the fact that uh, they are alive to God. The divine nature, Christ's life, has been imparted. With the result that the nature, Christ's life, gives them both the desire and the power to regulate their lives in accordance with the Word of God. So all, all that's that's good stuff. Okay, so that's kind of that's that's Kenneth Weiss' uh, comments, and he has many more. I just this is the ones I thought applied to uh, what we're talking about today. Okay, so listen, I ha- I kind of want my final thought thing too. So don't okay. Anyway, this is from Chafer. And he, I, I, Chafer is good. He's uh, really very crisp here, very, very accurate, I thought. The sin nature, though still alive, so still alive and active, I like that, still alive and acting, has been judged by Christ's death unto it. And because of that judgment, which has no experimental place in the history of the Christian. So what I think he's saying there is that you can't look to, a, um, with salvation, you can look to at that time in my life, I trusted Christ. Some people, if their children maybe didn't exactly know when it was, but many people, I can, I can look to a, to a time in my life when I trusted Christ. So that's why he's saying there's no, there's no ex- experimental. You learn about who you are in Christ. You learn about um, the power of the sin nature. You learn about, and you learn about that as you study Scripture. The Holy Spirit is righteously free to take control of the otherwise active sin nature. The believer's part is to reckon. To reckon is to count on what is true of one's complete identification with Christ, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I thought that was all very, very crisp to the point we see that we have two natures. There's a struggle there and the part we're to reckon on that. Okay, so now, so now we come to, uh, so I, I chose this verse, 
Actually, I didn't choose this verse. This verse, uh, our brother Hal, uh, I've been talking a lot about Hal today, but uh, he had many many charts I really liked and many overheads I really liked. This is one of my favorites. And I, actually, we, we had this. Actually, Andrew taught this back uh, last year. This year, I don't know. He taught this recently. Um, so here we go. So this is going to kind of contrast how does reckoning fit in to um, the temptations we have in life? Because James is going to present a, a scenario here of a temptation and what can happen when we're tempted and drawn away from Christ. So, so here we go. So I'll just read it first. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And the word lust can be translated desire. So you're being, you're being tempted and you're being carried away and enticed by your own, your own desires, your own sin nature. Then verse 15 says, then when lust has conceived or the desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So a pretty, pretty graphic picture. So you guys, most people know, I've seen this chart before. So here we go. Hal looks at it as a, as a stair step down. So here's the stair step. The first, the top of the stair step. Here you are. You're out on, out on the road. Beautiful day. Sun shining. Not a care in your, you know, you're driving along. You're abiding in Christ. And something happens. <laughs> okay? Something happens. And this verse kind of describes here. Okay? First of all, the, you, he's defining the source. The source of this is your lust or your sin nature. It's out from your sin nature. So the first two things you see is that you're drawn away or carried away, the verse says, and you're enticed. And the word enticed is the idea, it's lure, it's like bait. Bait is hanging out there, like a, like for the fish. You hang the bait out there. David knows about this. I've been down there with the fish in there. You put some bait out there and it, it looks attractive. Well, well, this is really interesting. At this point, it's only temptation. That's only, that's only, that's a tempt, verse 14 is only about temptation. You're being tempted. So, so this is the place, and our brother Hal, this is, he kind of put it in here. He says, well, this is the place, this is where I should be reckoning. This is a, this is the grounds of reckoning. Here I am, I'm, I'm being drawn away or enticed or lured, and what am I to do about that? I'm to say, hey, I'm dead to that. I don't need to go there. In fact, actually, Hal one time said, Roger, you know, sometimes I say to myself, I'm dead to that. I don't need to go there. I don't need to do that. I thought that's actually pretty cool advice. Now, you could, you could carry that to the extreme. You could be going around every day saying, I'm dead to that. Your wife's saying, what are you saying? I'm dead to that. I'm dead. You could make it into a law. No. You just, just like, just like with prayer, right? You don't necessarily verbalize every prayer, but you talk to the Lord. So I see it in the same picture. You're saying, you know, I don't have to go there. You know, yeah, that guy cut me off and he's, he did b- bad things and he was terrible or someone some, some said something to me or, or in my case, I go to the restaurant and the server doesn't see this in the right place and I give it a look or I say, well, last week we could sit over there and you put me over here and I don't like over here. And the boy looks at me and says, Roger? <laughs> I go, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> So we all have, so this is the area, this is, this is a, re, I'll call it the region of reckoning. Verse 14 talks about this region, I'm being drawn away or enticed. So, but what happens when we go beyond that? 
Verse 15 talks, and it's not a pretty picture. Sin is not a pretty picture. Verse 15 talks about that. So what happens? We take the bait. Grab the bait like the fish. Gotcha. Yeah. And actually, it's the, the, the idea, it's actually the idea of conception. And actually, the word is actually that in the, in the original. It's a pregnancy. And as we know, once conception occurs, I'm sorry, you know, the, the, you know, Lord willing, without without man interfering, there's going to be a birth, and that's what the and that's what the verse says. The birth is sin. So this taking of the bait, the lust is conceived, gives forth a birth, and the birth is sin. And there's a death that occurs. And this is not physical death, obviously. Otherwise, we all be, we all wouldn't be here, <laughs> myself included. This is this is separation. This is out of fellowship. So here's the place where sin has occurred, and here's the place where confession is appropriate. And then the last point here is that we, we've gone from abiding in Christ at the, at the, up here to abiding in the flesh. So so that's that picture that our brother Hal tries to show with a he has a switch which some don't like, but it's the idea you've gone from abiding with Christ to abiding in the flesh. But the one cool, one of the many cool things about this verse, and I, our dear brother uh, Bud, Bud Tracy, we had some many interesting discussions with him. <laughs> he, 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 was, he talked about confession, and it's, it's appropriate. Confession is appropriate. But reckoning, would you rather reckon yourself dead and avoid the sin? Or would you rather just go the whole thing and have to confess it to the Lord? Well, to my mind, I'd rather just reckon it. I'd rather just be up there and reckon it and say, Okay, Lord, I don't have to go there. Yeah, they were bad to me or whatever it was, but I'm okay with that. Because I, I love, you know, rather than maybe speaking back to them or whatever it might be. And then having to confess that. So, but we had some really dear discussions with, with Bud. And I'm not sure we ever really convinced him that reckoning was a, was a good path. But uh, he listened to us, at least. That was cool. Uh, so anyway, I think that's about it. A lot of cool things to draw from this. Hopefully that was helpful. So, so this is where, in my mind, the place of reckoning is before you take the bait. Before you succumb to that sin. Or whatever it might be. And it's pretty graphically illustrated uh, in this picture. Okay, so next week, actually, Mike's going to carry on next week with talking more about reckoning. Uh, So I think that's it for today. Okay, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for your marvelous word. Thank you for the clarity of it. Thank you for how you you tell us uh, that we're to count upon what you've accomplished for us on Calvary. We thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.